Good evening and welcome to Burst News at 6 o'clock with Will Griffiths, Rachel Andrews and Kirsty Bromage. The government proposes clampdown on illegal downloaders. 9-11 terror suspects vest death penalty in the US. UK set to be struck by heatwave. The Archbishop of Canterbury stands by his Sharia law statements. And in sport, they're going to win the league. New measures to clamp down on illegal downloading of music and films could see internet service providers cutting off internet access. A government draft consultation leaked to the Times newspaper examines possible ways to reduce illegal file sharing, a practice music and film companies say is costing them millions of pounds each year. Currently, six million people are estimated to illegally download files in the UK each year, but this number could dramatically fall if the Green Paper is passed. It would see ISPs such as BT and Virgin implementing a three-strikes-and-you're-out rule to reduce illegal downloads. Users would be warned by email that they were acting illegally. Their connection would, be, would then be suspended if they continued before finally being closed down. Sounds perfect, but why hasn't it come in sooner? Well, companies such as Tiscally, BT and Virgin have been in talks with record companies for quite a while now, trying to solve the tricky issue of illegal file sharing. The problem lies partly in the volume of traffic across the internet today. The Internet Service Providers Association, they sound fun, have compared monitoring every file passing through an ISP's network to the post office opening every single envelope they receive. There is also the issue of data protection. Providers would not be allowed to look at the content of everything being sent over their networks. And finally, the ISPs have no responsibility for illegal file sharing, as illegal content is not hosted on their service. So is this going to affect us on our ResNet systems here in Bristol? It could very well do. If you, uh, if you illegally download files, technically you are not allowed to do it. It is an illegal practice, and ResNet, I believe, are very vocal in their condemnation of illegal file sharing. I'm sure they are, yeah. I don't know anyone who does it. <laughs> no, me neither. I've, I've never downloaded an illegal file in my life. <laughs> but so essentially now, the public it's out into the public domain, this problem. It's not so much something that... The elite had to worry about something that actually everyone can be done for and quite easily penalised. Exactly, yes. Um, this is only, it, is, it isn't even a consultation at the moment, it is just a draft consultation. So it could, you know, we could be looking at quite a few years, you know, months, possibly years, before this actually goes ahead. But um, record companies have been in talks for quite a while with the uh, various ISPs, such as Virgin and uh, BT. And it could, um, we could see in the future ISPs such as these companies even being prosecuted if they don't clamp down on illegal downloaders on their service. Military prosecutors from the Pentagon have demanded the death penalty for the self-confessed 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Mr Mohammed is due to appear before a specially convened military court along with five fellow Guantanamo detainees. Set up in Guantanamo Bay, the court has already been at the centre of raging controversy Many of, its rulers were deemed to, many of its rules were deemed to breach the Geneva Convention, and only upon the Supreme Court's intervention were defendants given the right to appeal. Confessions by Mr Mohammed were allegedly extracted through waterboarding techniques that have recently been deemed as torture. What exactly is waterboarding then, Kirsty? Well, waterboarding, from what I understand, is a form of simulating drowning. Um, so the, um, the person in, in question feels 
completely compelled to confess things that they perhaps haven't done because otherwise they would feel that uh, <laughs> they were going to drown. Well, it sounds a bit like something like James Bond to me. It does, you can just imagine yeah. Bond grabbing the villain's hair and throwing, pushing him into a kitchen sink or something. I think what actually happens is they, um, the suspect is detaining a piece of cloth or a piece of plastic bag is forced over their mouths and they can breathe through their noses and then water is poured upon that piece of cloth. So as you say, Kirsty, it simulates the, uh, the idea of drowning and it has, I think it's been outlawed in many, many countries. Mm. Mm. Although Guantanamo Bay is a bit of a bit of a it's, legal black spot, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a bit of a bit of a dark horse, shall we say? On the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I don't know about you guys, but we've uh, I've certainly been enjoying the gorgeous weather we've been having over the past few days. I was chilling out on Park Street this afternoon in the sun. I haven't yet seen someone in a bikini on the downs, but I've seen shorts, flip flops, even vests. Yeah, I saw a girl in a very nice camisole. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's February. It shouldn't be happening. But, um, you know, despite all the gloomy mutterings about global warming, we have been loving it. And it looks like such traditionally unseasonal temperatures could become the norm. But in a marked contrast to the environmental pessimist's dire predictions, a Department of Health report suggests that global warming could actually save lives here in the UK. It has examined the correlation between seasonal temperatures and temperature-related deaths since 1971 and has found that as winters become milder, the number of people dying from cold in the winter has fallen by 3%. Currently, about 20,000 people die as a consequence of severe cold in the UK each year. Rather scarily, the Department of Health report also predicts a major heatwave in the UK in the next five years, which could kill 6,000 people. I'm recalling the canicule in France, and won't more people die as summers get hotter? Well, not necessarily. In the comparison of heat-related deaths since 1971, experts have found that on average the number of heat-related deaths stayed the same, despite summers getting warmer. They say a number of factors could account for this. Less tiring, hot manual labour in Britain today, a more relaxed working environment where shorts and t-shirts are accepted in the summertime, and improvements in air conditioning systems. But surely the same external factors could be applied to the, the, the fall in deaths during the winter. For example, whilst the winter's maybe getting milder, it could also be said that the health systems are getting better. That is, yeah, it's a very good point. And also um, people are, I think, being looked after more. There is um, a winter fuel allowance for old people. So, you know, it's a combination of factors, both environmental and non-environmental, that I've totally forgotten the word for. <laughs> Human factors, there we go. I'm all for this global warming, in Britain at least, anyway. I think, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, bring it on. T-shirts a few months early, I think it sounds fantastic. I think it does, yes. The Archbishop of Canterbury yesterday apologised for the outcry caused by his speech on Islam last week, which has created such public outcry. Whilst Dr Williams was in remorse over any misunderstandings caused, but stoutly and justly defended his right to talk about religion. The head of the Church of England told journalists, I believe quite strongly that it is not inappropriate for a pastor of the Church of England to address issues around the perceived concerns of other religious communities to try and bring them into better public focus. He uh, quite, um, quite deliberately, though, avoided talking about discussing the status and rights of women in uh, Islamic society. Well, I believe he had every right to talk about uh, Sharia law, ne not necessarily to advocate its implementation within England, but I think there are certain uh, Islamic values which we could quite honestly do within Britain mm. today. I think it was interesting that there's been an awful lot of condemnation of him in that he's been seen to be you know, promoting Sharia law and some of the more extreme aspects of it, which involve you know, cutting people's hands off and stoning mm. them to death. That's, I think that's complete rubbish. He, of course, wasn't doing that. I think it was more he was saying that it was probable that it would happen in the near future which if you look at the population of Britain today I think you know he does have a point it probably will become 
there. But British politics isn't particularly secular at the moment, is it really? It's Whilst not, we'd like no. to think it is, it is still based on uh, Christian and Church of England principles. I think yes. I think the uh, think there probably is a rather large um, sort of involvement, a correlation between the church and the state. Well, the Archbishop said himself, didn't he, that the apparently Orthodox Christians had their own uh, courts currently in Britain now. Exactly, and some aspects of Sharia law are already being implemented, not um, legally and judicially, but in um, in societies and in communities. I think it's a system of tolerance that needs to be implemented, really, by the British uh, legal system in in general. Exactly, yeah. But surely there needs to be one legal system. I personal view for the whole of the population I can't I don't envisage that there's a possibility of having different legal systems because then mm. you run the risk of people choosing which one's most convenient for them without a doubt it can't be fragmented in any way but at the same time what we need to make sure is that uh, we're not treading on the toes of any other religions that's the problem with differing religions in the sense that one what one person believes can counter another person's belief and that's that is the main that is the fundamental basis of tolerance acceptance and, uh, well, co cohabitation, really, which is something that we have to think very strongly about in the multicultural, multiracial and multireligious society that is Britain today. Well, watch this space. I'm sure the debate will continue for many years to come yet. The former, former finance minister of Zimbabwe, Simba Makoni, has been expelled from the leading ZANI-PF party after announcing that he would stand against the current president, Robert Mugabe, in presidential elections in March. But suggestions that Mr McConey would ally himself with the main opposition party were squashed when the party's leader, Morgan Changarai, described Mr McConey as old wine in a new bottle. President Mugabe is confident of a landslide victory in the elections in March, saying that he was raring to go. Previous elections have been denounced by international observers as illegal, with violence and allegations of fraud rife in the troubled country. Zimbabwe has an incredibly unstable ec economy, with fewer than one in five men holding a job. Well, forget the tax man. Paul McCartney's got another money-grabbing parasite after his fortune. The former Beatle and his ex-wife Heather Mills entered court today for one of the highest-profile divorce battles this country has ever seen. Sir Paul is believed to have offered the chat show regular an inordinate settlement of £20 million, plus £2.5 million in annual payments until the couple's daughter Beatrice turns 18. Beatrice is currently three, by the way. Um, however, Miss Mills is speculated to be seeking a figure around £80 million, including her legal fees. Good Lord. You, th you would think some people would be happy with £20 million. It seems like a fair number. I don't know percentage-wise whether it's fair, but I don't know what she would need much more money for. Exactly. And £2.5 million for the next 15 years, again... Quite a lot of money. Well, without a doubt. One thing I found particularly interesting is I haven't had a chance to check it out. I don't know if anyone, anyone listening has, if they could let us know what it's like, but apparently Heather Mills has a website. Well, I might go on it in a minute and I will let you well, know if you could, if very you on, shortly. If you could get onto that, Rachel, that would be fantastic. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm guessing heathermills.com. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I will get on to that. I will get on the case. But in more Heather Mills news, she has been nominated for Celebrity Mum of the Year. Just bearing in mind other nominees include the outstanding mother, Kate Moss. Um, previous winners have included Kerry Katona Eyal. So uh, I'm not sure if, sure if that's a huge acclaim, to be honest. Not necessarily. Is Britney Spears not in the running? Oh, uh, this is UK mums. Oh, damn. Yeah, oh, I shame. know. Poor Britney. I know. She could do with a win. She could do, yeah. So I believe she was voted a top sexiest woman in some poll. I don't know whether they've been looking at pictures of her recently. Yeah. But bless her heart, she's not been looking too good, has no. she? Human rights campaigners chained themselves to railings at the Borders and Immigration Agency 
officers in Portis Head earlier today in an attempt to prevent officers carrying out dawn raids to, re to remove illegal immigrants. The protest was led by the Bristol group No Borders, who have criticised immigration staff for treating families living illegally in the UK inhumanely, snatching families from their beds and kicking in doors. But the Borders and Immigration Agency insisted that removal of illegal immigrants Im sorry, illegal immigrant families was a last resort, with the welfare of children being taken very seriously. A mythical white stag has been spotted roaming the Scottish Highlands. The legendary beast is believed to be the only white example of a red deer in Britain. Officials of the John Muir Trust, a conservative body, conservation body, sorry, <laughs> have not disclosed the location of the animal, but have disclosed a photograph to prove that he is a genuine. I've been doing a bit of research into uh, what exactly it is to be a white deer. Do tell us, Will. Well, white stags, sorry, uh, were potent magical figures closely associated with unicorns. Uh, the Celts consider them to be messengers from the other world, and in Arthurian legend, the stag is a creature that can never be caught, and King Arthur's pursuit of him represents mankind's quest for spiritual knowledge. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the white stag is fabled to grant wishes to anyone who catches him. So he has a certain kind of symbolic... He's got element. a bit of an aura going he on, really hasn't does, he? He really does, yeah. And it's, um, that it's, is some good PR for him, I've got to say. Well, they say it's one of, the f one of the first ones they've seen in about the last 30 years. Wow. And is there any reason for you know, his location in Scotland? They don't know. It seems to be some kind of genetic abnormality. Mm. But then, uh, unless, of course, you wish to believe the legends, uh, and that he is, in fact, a rather a figment and a, kind of a symbol for us all trying to find the answer to the meaning of life. But I'm not sure I'm buying into that, really. Good Lord, we're all getting a bit deep here on Bursts tonight, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, well, let's, let's get a lot, lot shallower. Yes. Have you found anything about Heather Mills? I have. If you go to the delightful www.heathermillsmccartney.com, you will find everything you could possibly wish to know about the, uh, the soon-to-be ex-Beatles wife. She, uh, it's a very classy site. There's a beautiful sliding gallery of tasteful black and white shots of her looking pained and mournful and staring into the distance. Um, we've got a little list of all her projects that she's done. We've got Dancing with the Stars, which was her American show. She, I believe, danced probably with stars. Apparently she was rather good, though. I believe she, she was. She's got kind of a cult following in the US. Well, yeah, but they do like weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a list of all her charities. There's a little bit about Heather. You can know just how much trouble she's going through in life at the mm. moment. It's a truly tasteful site, I can assure you. So what was that website one more time? www.heathermillsmccartney.com Well, I'll be sure to check it out. It'll be, yeah, I would it imagine, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll get crashed later on. I'd <laughs> imagine so many people will be flocking to read it. Sticking with some truly shallow showbiz news, Dolly Parton, the iconic country singer, has been forced to postpone the US leg of her tour, promoting her new album, Due to Back Pains. Can I guess how that back pain occurred? Well, you can. The somewhat enhanced star jokingly <laughs> blamed her large chest for her backache. But UK Dolly fans, such as myself, I don't know, Kirsty, are you a Dolly fan? Can't say I am. Oh, shock it, Will. Closetly. Is it just me? Is it just me who's going to admit to it? Yeah. Well, we don't need to worry because the European leg of the tour will go ahead as planned. So, we, we don't want to start slander or anything on Burst Radio, but how likely is it that the uh, back pain was caused by her well, rather she, large chest? Well, she uh, she did say something, I believe, along the lines of, if you had to cut these puppies round, you'd know how it felt. <laughs> she, uh, I think she's very open and honest about her uh, her... Enhancements in the past. He has famously said it. Ta famously said it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. So. Well, it's 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 difficult to avoid to miss them, really, isn't it? It's not you, as if you, you can't. There's no subtlety about those breasts. 
they're, they're fairly spectacular. Moving on to sports. Please do, <laughs> before we get any more licentious. Arsenal start this week with a five-point lead at the top of the Barclays Premiership, thanks to a leisurely 2-0 victory over Blackburn Rovers at Emirates Stadium last night. The towering bald figure of Swiss centre-back Philip Senderos rose to nod home in the fourth minute. Uh, but unfortunately, the Gunners had to wait until the 90th minute for Emmanuel Adebayor to put the game to bed. Arsenal controlled the game as Mark Hughes' men looked decidedly weary ahead of their trip to Florida this weekend. This news will not have sat well with Arsenal's title-chasing rivals, Manchester United, who suffered a difficult weekend as they remembered the Munich air disaster 50 years on, with a 2-1 defeat to local rivals Manchester City. With Chelsea also stumbling, Arsenal are in prime position as the season enters the last few months. Well, actually, Man United have had a few other uh, upsets this weekend, obviously with a lot of trauma to deal with, but... Um, they, uh, I don't know if you saw the photos of the game, and you see the, Man the Manchester United kit? They were all sporting a logo-less kit that was worn by the Busby Babes. Is that back the, in the uh, symbolic gesture? Well, it was, but also what they did is they handed out red and white and blue and white scarves. Mm. 63,000 red and white scarves were placed, for f were free scarves were placed on the seats of all the Manchester United fans, mm. and all the away fans, the 7,000 travelling City fans, got blue and white ones. Mm. However, criminally, and I, I, I hate this, but I said personal journalist rant here is uh, some of these scarves have been put up for sale on eBay that, I think that's shocking I think that's mm. utterly disrespectful I mean, it's, taste, it's tasteless it's, yeah. it's just awful They're trying to, what the Manchester United um, officials are trying to do is trying to create a nice way to remember yeah. what was an absolute tragedy it was the deaths of mm. lots of young men and it wasn't just a tragedy for Manchester United was it it was a tragedy for all of English football without a doubt it was one of the, it's up there with one, you know, it's, it, people talk about it in the same breath as they talk about Hillsborough yeah. as they talk about the Heisel disaster mm. it's one of those really tragic events mm. Well, in a slightly better news, Johnny Wilkinson has been defending his teammates after certain sections of the press criticised Brian Ashton's men for over-celebrating this weekend's uninspiring victory over Six Nations Minnows Italy. England's fly half began to show touches of his previous form, including a sublime solo break to set up Paul Sackey's first half try. Well, winning ugly is actually the hallmark of a good team. Whilst I'm not necessarily claiming that England have a good team at the moment, but... It's good to say that I would be pushing it a little far, possibly. <laughs> but I think, I think it's important to go into games with a positive mentality. I yeah. don't think... I think you want to you want to win a game, and you want to win it well, but if you yeah. don't, it doesn't mean you necessarily, you know, beat yourselves up about it. You still want to celebrate it, you know, if you win, you celebrate. Well, England are a team in transition at the moment, and I also... I, I get quite annoyed with the British press sometimes, obviously, Burst Radio excluded, of because... Um, but, I mean, you look at the Australian press, and when a British team goes over there... Uh, they get a lot of the British team will get a lot of banter. They'll get mm. a lot of they'll have a lot of accusations thrown at them, and it's essentially mind games. Yeah. But whereas the Australian team, they can do no wrong. Don't get me wrong; they sometimes will get hounded by the Australian press, mm. but they're more than more often than not likely to back their team yeah. up and support them rather than try and put them down. Mm. I mean, look at the English football team. They're, exactly. If they win one game, they're heroes and they're carrying us to victory. But yeah. if they if they lose one game or even just play badly in a friendly, mm. as they did this week, then all of a sudden. The whole, you know, Martin Samuel and all the men are jumping on their yeah. backs and are calling for resignations left, right and centre. Mm. Well, Dwayne Chambers' future is still under scrutiny as a disgraced sprinter sought to relaunch his athletics career. Chambers was banned for doping for two years in 2005, faces a selection problems this week ahead of uh, next, this year's um, World Indoor Championships. What are the uh, problems that he's going to face? Well, he still, it still has to be decided by the... Um, by the uh, officials, uh, there's mm. about six men he has to convince at the uh, British uh, Athletics uh, in Institution. Sorry, <laughs> uh, took me get, it took me a while to get, or maybe in Federation actually. But um, he still has to convince them that he is worthy of running for Britain again after disgracing himself with uh, doping. I personally 
believe that he has disgraced himself beyond uh, beyond, beyond his means. Beyond redemption, without a doubt. I think he, he's being recreated as a role model for 12-year-olds who are trying to further themselves as mm. sportsmen. Well, yeah, there he is, having blatantly cheated. He's admitted yeah. to having cheated, but he's been given a second chance. And, of course, I'm all for that, but to what end, you know? Yeah. As lo- I think as long as people don't glorify him too much now that he uh, seems to be making a comeback. Mm. As and long he's as he- banned from Olympics, though, isn't he? He is, yeah. So actually, it's, mm. it's sort of almost pointless in a way. To invest so much into an athlete if they're not going to... Without a doubt. Mm. There's um, an interesting article about the Olympics uh, today as well, talking about the uh, uh, Darfur crisis mm. and how a lot of athletes are backing this... Uh, it's a it's a tr- awareness campaign about the Darfur because mm. China has a lot of influence in Sudan yeah. and they're trying to use the Olympics as a showground mm. to put forward this campaign and try and put pressure on China to try and end the Darfur crisis. That's what we like to hear. Exactly. Yeah, fingers and it, crossed. <laughs> without a doubt. Um, more bad news for British sport. Do tell I don't us. want to jump on the back of the English cricketers as I just accuse other journalists of doing. However, yes. <laughs> they lost a woeful second one day international to a gallant yet... Mm, not particularly um, high-profile New Zealand team mm. by 10 wickets. Oh, dear. Rain reduced the game to 36 overs after the tourists were bowled out for only 158. Alistair Cook got 53 of those runs as well, so without his contribution, England yeah. really would have been struggling. Uh, Jesse Ryder for New Zealand helped their reply, hitting 79 off 62 balls as they cruised to 165 not out, winning by 30 runs. That's pretty impressive. Well, but not for English sport. Not at one, all. Once again, it's a shame as well. After the uh, hopeful start England made and in, in, mm. uh, down under with the um, t- inspiring vic- the two twenty twenty victories. Yeah, it was. It it's, was uh, good it's all going downhill from there, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, we will keep you updated, of course. Will as ever, top king of the uh, sports news. We will be back next week. For the weather this week, do you want to know what it's going to do? Yep, I always do. Well, it looks like tomorrow is going to be more sun, nice warm temperatures, pretty cold at night, but it looks like it could get a little bit more cloudy as the uh, weekend draws near. The nights have been cold. They've been bloody freezing. Yeah, I've been uh, de-icing my car every morning. Yeah. It was was actually like an ice cube. I felt sealed inside it, so I couldn't open the windows. Mm. Well, I was uh, going to say walking the streets of Cardiff. You know what at I what, mean. What, this morning or no, no, last no, no, night? No, no, at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And it was freezing, I can okay. assure you. It was not pleasant Was that all. some kind of journalistic research? Or? Of course, Yeah, yes. okay, excellent. Yeah, Keep an eye out for Doctor Who. That, that's what most people do in Cardiff, isn't I it? I think that is, but I didn't see him once. I was very really? annoyed. They probably oh. just as well. I might have oh, jumped okay. on him. Yeah. Right, well, um, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid. Uh, this has been Burst News at six o'clock with myself, Will Griffiths. I've been Rachel Andrews. And I'm Kirsty Bromwich.